Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast. As usual, I'm James Rushton and once again, I'm joined by Phil Vogel standing in for Danny Raza. How you doing, mate? I'm doing well, much better after yesterday. How are you? Oh, good, man. Um, it was my second away game in a row, second of all time, really. I went to Hillsborough to see Villa play against Shefford Wednesday and we'll get onto that. And uh, I really had an enjoyable experience, to be honest. Uh, I, re- I really got into the game and it was a really fun experience. Those away games are really special. I understand why people travel miles to see them. I don't know how it is in America with you, you know, traveling on the road to see baseball games because I know the United States is huge. So if you're seeing the, you know, the Capitals play in the, against the Angels down in uh, LA or, you know, uh, the Redskins play against the Chargers or whatever, that's a, that's a massive distance to travel. I know you support yeah. the Browns in the Cleveland yeah. sports, but that's, in terms of distance, that's coast to coast. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a uh, incredible distance that you guys must, uh, take on the road but yeah in England it's all kind of crammed together so I think our longest trip's about eight hours whereas I don't know what your longest road game trip is but I assume it's pretty nasty well it's it's a flight I mean almost all the away games especially if you're talking American football you're getting on a plane uh like Cleveland you could probably drive to like Cincinnati Pittsburgh Chicago but other than that Detroit and other than that you're getting on a plane and then it's time zones it's all kinds of stuff. and But you're right. The away, Traveling with the team and being the away fan is so much fun. Now, American football doesn't have the sections that uh, your football does. And I've never done it and I would love to do it. It is, it's incredible, incredibly enjoyable, mate. Incredibly enjoyable, um, especially because of the segregation, I guess, because it creates that like almost tribal mentality. And um, you do get that. I mean, in, in fan bases like the Raiders and the Eagles, you do get that, don't you? You do get that sort of kind of those, those soccer attitudes, that transplant, that almost hatred of any team that step, dare step into their house. Um, it is weird, though, because I'm, I'm a big Browns fan and their real close rivals, of course, are teams like Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, and they're still miles and miles and miles away from them. It's not like Villa or Birmingham when it's a, you know, a stone's throw across the city, or even teams like Liverpool and Everton who are next to each other. It really is some distance, mate. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I know. Mean, Cleveland to uh, Baltimore is probably, what, seven hours drive? Yeah. <laughs> That's like Villa to Sunderland. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it really does put it into perspective, but I digress. We uh, we we did have some matches to talk about, didn't we? Uh, of course, yeah. the whole cast covering in some Aston Villa matches for you guys. Preston was the first match we had this week. I'm not sure where I lie with this, mate. I I, I think he watched the full 90 minutes. I, of course, I was at the game. I'm not sure where I stand on it. Was it a disappointment or was it a point a point gained? Part of me thinks that's a point gained. Be- simply because the performance was so poor. Um, but th- there is some disappointment. I think it's a game we still could have won, especially with those late chances we were making. Yeah, it's it's a disappointment because of how we played. And it's a disappointment when you like step back and look at it in the schedule, because it's a game, I mean, it's a game Villa should win. But the way we played, we were lucky to get a point. Yeah, we, uh, we got run over. We got mugged. Um, it was a real brutal physical performance. And... Uh, Preston did put their hands on us. Um, there's a lot of comments about them play acting, diving, but hey, if you're Preston and you, you've won 17, you know, you haven't lost in 17 games, that's incredible. Uh, you're going to beg Byron Steele to get a point. Uh, you have to appreciate that. I guess we wouldn't really mind if Villa did that to earn a point at a really hard game, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, can't and we complain to Villa do that. 
Yeah, exactly. We have seen Villa do that, and uh, we'll come, we'll definitely come onto a bit of that, a bit of that topic, and uh, when we talk about Sheffield Wednesday, because there's a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of controversy. I'll leave it at that though. Uh, Preston took the lead, and uh, we got we had to wait for Lewis Graben to get his first goal for a penalty. Uh, what what did you make of him when he came on? I have been really impressed, and I was surprised he was playing so wide because in my head he's going to play in the middle, um, but he's it was. He was fun to watch. He took the game by the scruff of the neck and changed it. We were we were strange in that game. That first half was really, really, really poor. And of course, it was capped off by that Preston goal. I'm not going to even say his name. I think it was Tom Barkhusen. Tom Barkhusen, I can't say. I've never heard it pronounced. Not going to even attempt it again, mate. I'm not sure if you heard it on commentary. I think I did, and I think I was. I think I was writing the recap or Twitter or whatever I was doing. I was like, I'm just going to go copy and paste this from somewhere else. Yeah, it's. Uh, it hasn't got any accents in. It's not. You know, it's. It's not a special name. It's just really hard for me to say. Tom Barkuten. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call it like that. He scored in the 37th minute, and yeah. I didn't think. I thought that's that's the game lost. Lost right there. Uh, we did get the penalty. It was really soft in the second yeah. half. Uh, Keenan Davis, he was barged into. I, I, I think he called it as a penalty, but from seeing it, I, I didn't. I was, I wasn't in uproar about it. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's clearly against the rules of the game to be barged in the back in the box, the penalty area. But I wasn't. I wasn't up in arms about it, and uh, I was kind of surprised almost that a foul in the box was called called as a penalty straight away. Yeah, that's one of those calls that if that collision happens at midfield, it's called every time but that you usually don't get a penalty on that. And I'll take it. it. I was thrilled. I was surprised as well. But you do you usually don't get that. And I understand uh, the uh, Preston fans were not pleased with that. It was a very even game in terms of, you know, possession, shots, anything you want to classify as an even game. But I still felt like Preston was a stronger team. Uh, they they definitely went for our throat. Callum Robinson, the former Villa youth grad, was desperate to score as well. Uh, we were really lacking a number of key, a number of key areas, to be honest. And uh, I was surprised to see how poor we were without Grealish and Adoma. I know we missed them in the Fulham game, but I was really surprised at how the the massive blow the team seemed to take. We didn't really get going until we put on three strikers. So we had Graben on one wing, and I believe we had Davis and. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe we had Davis and Hogan up front. I'm not too sure how the formation was. It did look like it was very gung-ho and top-heavy in that second half. Yeah. yeah, It was those two up top, and I don't even remember who was still playing on the left wing at the time. Um, but it, it, that changed the game. He you, you went for it, and you kind of have to in that match because Villa are the more talented team. And if you put more talented players on the field, sometimes you just find a way. I mean, it wasn't a masterclass draw, but they found a way to get that goal. I have to say that the draw is definitely better than losing. I mean, it did give Cardiff a big buffer because they were able to win on the day and extend a big points gap in that second place position. But hey, I'll tell you that point. It's a point gained. I'm not too sore. It's a home game, but you know, the, the, it's all contextual. The situation yeah. on that day was not a winning situation. <laughs> we, we could have taken the win, to be honest. The ball fell really... There's a beautiful move that Keenan Davis linked up with Graben and from the centre to the middle and Graben crossed it back into the box with Davis and he wasn't able to bury it. And that was a clear chance to me. But hey, you take the draw, I feel. Uh, are you too disappointed about that 
I was disappointed when he missed it because, I mean, Davis has done a lot of good, but clearly needs to work on his finishing. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. And he will. But, boy, if he puts that in the back of the net, it's, first off, a total smash and grab and undeserved. But, boy, that would have that been fantastic. Oh, yeah, of course, in front of the whole end as well. I think everyone, I think that would have been more important than the goals we scored against Birmingham City, yeah. to be blunt. Um, in terms of predictions, mate, you were very close. You you called it at 2-1, I believe. Uh, our man Danny uh, phoned in, he mailed in with a 1-1 prediction. That means he actually takes a win. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm in disbelief, to be honest, that someone actually managed to call that Preston game. Um, I predicted 1-0. You went for the 2-1 win. But Danny called it in with a 1-1 draw. So congratulations to him, I guess. Yeah, well done. <laughs> No idea how he managed to pull that one out. Um, shall we move on to Sheffield Wednesday, mate? Yeah. So Villa went up to Hillsborough. Uh, a bit sore, I think, after uh, that, that Preston game. That they, It was physical, but also the, the mental toughness of that. It, it was disappointing. It, the, the win was there for the taking. And to be played off the park by a team that Villa should have beat. It was sore. It was sore. But Sheffield Wednesday aren't doing very well themselves. I believe the injury count on their team was 16 yeah, they've got they've got a squad and a half injured. That's not good uh, for any team. That's uh, that's the type of situation that's going to turn your promotion campaign into a campaign that is looking to avoid relegation. To be blunt, if you're losing that many players, the season's over. The season yeah. is completely done. Um, so yeah, unfortunate. But the crowd was there at Hillsborough. The players were there. It was a it was a match. I have to say it was a match. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday absolutely played Villa off the park in the first half. Two um, one was a score at the first 45 minutes. Lewis Graben managed to bundle in a crazy chance. Uh, I think we managed to get it kicked off the line about three or four times before he finally bundled it. I was behind the goal and I was just, it was really close. I didn't didn't know how close I could be to the goal, but I was so close to the ball. And I was almost like, if I reach over, I can like put that in for them. Would it count? (laughs) Almost, uh, I was was screaming and it, it finally went in. But it didn't matter much because Sheffield Wednesday just went straight on the attack. Uh, and there was a period of about 10 minutes from the 35 to the 45th minute where they didn't have the ball out of our box. It was just complete complete assault on our goal. Then the second half happens, mate. The second half is absolutely insane. Villa woke up and they found a goal from the most unlikely source, mate. Robert Snodgrass crosses in. And uh, there's no one on the back post except Glenn Whelan. He nods <laughs> it in. Yeah, and that's what his first goal since twenty eleven. That's a long time. That's <laughs> that's seven years. I mean, twenty eleven because of the decade we're in. It almost seems like it was two years ago. You know, <laughs> three years ago that we were just coming off that World Cup in South Africa, looking onto the one in Brazil, and you know, life was sweet. And of course, it was. Uh, you look at the, the calendar; it's seven years ago, and uh, I can't believe that. Uh, I'm really happy for him. He didn't have the best performance ever. Um, it's a typical Glenn Whelan performance that we've seen at Villa where he will get punished in the midfield and he will drop the ball. But there he is at the back post, nodding the header in. And well done to him. Well done to him because as much as we don't appreciate him getting run over in midfield and dispossessed, I guess scoring the goal and saving the match for us, it makes it a bit sweeter. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's had his struggles, but he does work hard. And it the the goal was really about the cross. I mean, the cross was spectacular and Whelan made no mistake of course yeah Robert Snodgrass really really made a name for himself in that match Uh, if you've in case you haven't you've been under a rock Robert Snodgrass probably has been our best player this year if you if you discount Jack Grealish he has put up amazing stats in terms of goals and assists it seems like he gets an assist 
every game, every single game, he's putting an assist. And if he's not doing that, mate, he's leading the team in key passes. And if he's yeah. not doing that, he's scoring the goals. Uh, incredible. I mean, Jack Grealish is the much more attractive player to watch. But Robert, no, all cre- a lot of credit has to go to Robert Snodgrass and what he's doing at Villa. Absolutely. Um, him and Mohamedy have created a great partnership. Um, and with Jack there, Jack tends to drift more left and Snodgrass just takes over on the right. And it's really impressive because, like you said, the key passes, I always call them hockey assists because in hockey, two people can get assists. So the setup pass to the setup pass will also get credit. And he, if you counted those some way, he'd probably have another 10 assists. And of course, breaking it down, mate, he's got 10 assists since he's joined Villa and he joined Villa just after the start of the season. He's played 28 or so games for us and he's getting, he's making two chances a game, two scoring chances a game for us. That's, that's crazy. That, he's not, he, the, the league is even not defending him, him enough or he's simply doing a, a superb job on that right wing and I, I don't, I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe that there's a player in the Premier League who's not wanted by his club. He's come down to this level. Let's be honest, it's not too far of a level from where West, West Ham currently are in the Premier League. And he's doing such a superb job. And I, if we manage to have him on a, a full transfer, a permanent transfer, it'll be, it'll be an absolute steal. Yeah, I would love to know the price tag because I, I don't, I don't know if there's one agreed upon on the loan. But if there is, like, sign him up. Absolutely sign him up. I, I can't, I, I've real credit to him. He's a really unfashionable player. He's not a player that would be on the transfer list of many club, many clubs. They wouldn't go out for him. He's, he's played at Leeds, Hull, West Ham. These aren't top tier teams. You know, I appreciate that a lot of that time was spent in the Premier League, but these aren't top tier teams. And he's come down to Villa and he's done a really good, really, really, really good job. And one thing that really, I really love about him, mate, is the fact that he annoys other teams so much. <laughs> like, have you seen any of the reaction to him on social media from Sheffield Wednesday fans? There's oh, every, yeah. there's every, it's crazy. Uh, he he manages to anger other teams so much to the point where they're not even competent anymore. So let's let's actually he's actually bit back. I don't know if you've seen it, but on Twitter, uh, Robert Snodgrass seven. That's of course Robert Snodgrass's official Twitter account. For all of you Sheffield Wednesday fans that keep saying you want me to break my legs, die, keep your chins up. Today's a new day. Can't give it if you're not prepared to take a little back. Fantastic. That's him summed up, really, isn't it? Doesn't yeah. care what anyone has to say about him. He's the type of player you want on your team and you hate to play against. Because he's just an annoying little gnat all over the pitch. And he's getting fouled and he's going down. Ah, it's fantastic that he's on of our side. Of course, it's almost like he's Jack Grealish, but 31. Yeah. You know, he's kicking, he's kicking on his career, but he, he still gets the fouls. He still attracts the fouls and he's very annoying. Uh, yeah. full credit to him I'm really happy with him I can't I can't speak his praise enough mate really can't yeah. and like you said with Jack I hope Jack talks to him and learns how to take skills that Snodgrass has and the experience and puts it into his game and I have no idea if they have a relationship at all but that could really benefit Jack oh man I think I think they do I think you're on the right track there because I, I remember uh, when Jack Grealish scored against Burton, he ran over to Robert Snodgrass, who'd been substituted off on the subs bench just to celebrate with him. <laughs> so I think there's, there's definitely, you know, it's a close knit squad. I, I know Connor Huran and Jack Grealish have a friendship. I know John Terry's are there. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Snodgrass is one of these team leaders now. He's a real character. Um, of course, it wasn't just Glenn Whelan's goal 
Let's let's not forget that. Connor Hurhan, of course, come up with his ninth goal of the season and um, with a little karate kick half volley into the corner of the net. And that gives Villa the 3-2 lead with about five or ten minutes to go. That's a smash and grab at Hillsborough, if I'm completely honest. That is a, that's a result I didn't expect to be coming and Connor Hurhan steals it with that 3-2. Of course, all the hard work is done by Robert Snodgrass, but there he is, Connor Hurhan, on the edge of the box with his ninth goal of the season. And he's another player who's really turned it around after a really kind of iffy start to his Villa career last season. Yeah, he and that finish was just perfect. He's sitting there and he's waiting for that ball. Just get a ball, find it at the top of the box and put it in the back of the net. Um, was I right that Lewis Graben took that corner? I think he I was. will be completely honest. I was so far away from that corner. I couldn't even see if the ball went I... into the back of the net. So <laughs> I have no idea. But um, I think there has been a bit of change in corners and free kicks. I've, I've seen Connor Hurahan taking more. And it used to be just Robert Snodgrass's domain. The ball would always be Snodgrass's. But I think there's a lot of flexibility with that now. And uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if it was uh, Graben taking it for once. I think it but, was. Uh, I should probably look that kind of thing up. But I'm pretty sure it was. And it was a good ball. Yeah, it was a great ball. And uh, of course, if it, it results in a scramble that falls to Hurahan, he buries it, all the better. Yeah, absolutely. That's another fantastic thing. And uh, it wasn't over yet, though. Robert Snodgrass still, still had the uh, chance to play pantomime villain. He dribbled down the right flank, cut inside the box and was fouled in the box for a, a last-minute, last-kick of the game penalty to Villa. Lewis Graben went to take it. Robert Snodgrass wasn't having any of it. He <laughs> took the ball, put it on the spot, and that was a vicious penalty. That was a, a really vicious... He, you know, I don't know if he could have uh, held back with that. That was a really vicious penalty. Almost tore the net off. And he's cupped his ears to the uh, Sheffield Wednesday fans in front of their version of the whole in their cop stand uh he's cupped his ear to their fans and uh ran off stolen the victory the whistle blows he runs over to the villa fans and he he doesn't stop screaming he doesn't stop shaking his arms jumping and screaming that game meant so much to him and it was very clear and after all we've watched a villa in the last eight years i've never seen someone take so much joy in a, a performance like snodgrass's yeah and that kind of that kind of passion that can't help but be spread around the locker room when you have a guy who plays who plays a match like that and celebrates like that and just embraces the hatred at the time from the other fans. Ah, I love it. Yeah, uh, John Terry was on uh, the end as well. I think he come in with a real, I'm not sure if this, is, if this is included in any highlights packages, but he threw in a real challenge to stop a, a counter-attack coming. I think it was on the cusp of 2-2 just before we scored to make it 3-2. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday were breaking on the counter and John Terry threw in an absolute last gas tackle to stop the counter. Um, the entire the entire stadium erupted at screaming foul, screaming cheat. And John Terry walks off and brushes his soldiers. It's not a foul. It's a perfectly clean tackle. So yeah, there's plenty of villains on our team. And the Sheffield Wednesday fans really aren't happy. I've never seen such a reaction to a match. Uh, I've constantly seen it retweeted onto my timeline. A load of abuse towards Aston Villa. Uh, Steve Bruce apparently match-fixing the fact that Villa only committed one foul the entire game. I find that hard to believe, but they did only commit one official foul that was recorded by the referee throughout the entire game after committing 18 against Preston just a few days <laughs> before. Uh, I guess I guess if it's if you know a team doesn't manage to commit fouls and they haven't done so, uh, I don't know. I completely don't know. But I don't think it's match fixing. I think it's just one of those things. Hey, the penalty was a penalty. I, I can't argue with that. And 
Sheffield Wednesday really did have a bunch of chances to bury that game and they didn't do it. So that's life, that's football. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been 4-1 to them at halftime. I mean... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, absolutely. And Villa fans couldn't have even really complained. Our expected goals is quite inflated by the fact that we had two chances directly, directly on the goal line. So, um, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday really did, really, really gave it a, a good shot. But they couldn't bury those goals, and that's all, that's what's important. Our predictions weren't really close. You went for a 2-0 win. Danny went for a 1-0 win. I went for a 3-1 win. Well, we all got... You and I had the the margin of victory, correct? <laughs> yeah, the two-goal victory, and of course the <laughs> win. Uh, nah, the, the rules are there. The rules yeah. are... Everything's right, but man, I'm happy for that. I'm happy we all went for a win. I'm happy that positive thinking's still going. None of us have really predicted a loss in since uh, at Trevor says Trevor Hood, of course, recording all this. He's almost like an executive producer now for us, uh, who is recording all of these uh, the match results. And yeah, we we we've all went for wins, no losses. So really proud of that. Really, you know, the worst result is like a two-two draw or something. So, yeah, really happy with how it's going, really happy with those. And unfortunately, me and you weren't spot on, but, yeah, Danny did take that press and draw. So that means, mate, that we do have a match on Saturday against QPR, Ian Holloway's QPR at Villa Park, 3 o'clock. Uh, will you be watching? Yeah, well, I'll be up for it. Uh, is it on TV? It might be. Uh, um, usually the ESPN fixtures are quite, announced quite late in the day. But um, if it's on Sky, we'll know months before. I'm not too sure if it is. We do have a lot of matches on TV coming up, actually. We've got a few. One against Bolton, one against Hull, both away games. And they're coming up in March, I believe. But uh, until then, I'm not too sure if you're on TV. But yeah, QPR. It's not. I just fucked it up. <laughs> That's completely fine. I mean, we Villa are usually always on TV. I've, yeah. I've noticed that a lot. They have been on TV quite a lot. But yeah, we've got QPR. They come to Villa Park. And I'm not sure how this match goes. Do Villa... Do they do what they did against Sheffield Wednesday or do they do what they did against Preston? Um, I don't yeah. know. And Jack Grealish could be back, so we don't yeah, really Bruce, know. Bruce sounded hopeful on both Adoma and Grealish, which was great to hear. I'm so happy we don't have a Tuesday game. <laughs> so the team can rest up because players like Terry and Yednak, they're tired. Oh, yeah. And then you've got players like Onoma, Al-Mohamedi, Snodgrass, anyone. He's been a part of that Preston and Sheffield Wednesday, you know, that lineup of fixtures, and even the Fulham game. Yeah, and it is a worry because you do you do get to this season, the part of the season, and people are going to naturally fall to injuries, like we've seen with Adoma and Grealish. Hopefully, we do have that full team, but I wouldn't be too upset if we missed one of those players because we did really well against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I think Bruce got it right once he took uh, Onoma off Josh Onoma, of course, on loan from Tottenham, who hasn't really impressed greatly. What do you make of him? I think he's got the talent. Um, he's a young player and he can tend to fade in and out. I've seen some some criticizing his effort. I don't I don't think that's the problem. I just think he fades out of the game. And that's not always an effort thing. Um, yeah, we're also we playing really him kind of out of position. Yeah. Uh there's a lot there's a lot going for him and there's a lot against him. I think the effort argument is very hard to quantify. There's not a lot of evidence we can use to back it up apart from our own like visual eye test which is usually biased if we yeah. don't like on we're going to look at him and we're going to see things in our own light and usually if you're thinking negative about him it's going to be negative if you're thinking positive about him it's going to be overly positive so there's not a lot we can do to actually say hey he doesn't put the effort in and yeah. if we you know 
it does fall on those stupid tropes and those stupid biases that we have. So um, until I find something worthy of recognition, I can't really say that he's not putting in the effort because we don't know. No, you, I don't. I find it very hard to believe that a young player would just go now. Nah, I'm not going to put the effort in. Uh, especially, you know, if they're being started. If they're being started, the manager's seen something. He's not just. If you can't tell me that Steve Bruce knowingly would put in a player who he knows would put no effort in. No, it, <laughs> it wouldn't happen. No, and that's not Steve Bruce. I mean, effort is one of those things that has really picked up. Like if you look a year ago to now, there's much more fitness and effort in this team across the board. Oh, completely, completely, and it's uh, it's something that Bruce wouldn't disrupt. So if you are if you are bashing Anima, that's fair enough. I think he hasn't done a great deal in the last few weeks. Yeah, but I don't think the argument. It's you need to twist that argument a little bit to reflect the reality of the situation. We don't know. We we can't tell that he's putting. A, you know, it's simply based on our own biases. We can't you know neutrally or objectively reflect on that at all. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll find something. If you know, it's one of those things that will show. The, the further we go on down this this coming streak of fixtures, we'll know. We'll, we'll simply know what type of uh, character he is. We, we can't tell that at the moment. It's simply, we haven't seen him enough, to be blunt. No, and he hasn't gotten a run of games. I mean, he started lately, but when Jack took over, he took over. Um, and, and, right, and Bruce made the right call to let Jack own that spot. You know, there's a lot of criticism, but there's also a blind defensive in by Tottenham fans who will look up the statistics and go, well, hey, he did this, he did that. And the truth, as always, will be in between. It will be directly in between. It'll be, hey, he's doing okay. Maybe he doesn't look as good as he should. And maybe he's doing a little bit better than you're saying, but it's not good enough for Aston Villa, who really need to push on. So, yeah, I don't know if he'll start again. Uh, He hasn't really impressed me in the last few weeks, but I don't think he has impressed anyone. In the last few weeks, and I think that starting position won't be his. No, it's going to a, it's going to a doma. Like as soon as Adoma's back, he steps right back into that lineup. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just a bit part player to put in. Uh, Josh, he hasn't started in his natural position. He's just been plugged, put there to fill in a gap. Yeah. Um, QPR. There's also an injury worry in Alan Hutton, mate. Um, he come off with a hamstring injury. Yeah, he's out for a couple of weeks, according to Bruce. Alan Hutton has really come on. Really, really, come on. He's been at Villa almost eight years, eight or ten years. <laughs> He's been here a long time, let's put it that way. I think he signed in 2011, so that's seven years. So since Glenn Whelan last scored a goal, <laughs> Hutton's been at Villa. Um, he hasn't done well until this season. He's really, really kicked on this season. And I think he'll be a loss at left-back. Um, that's no slight against Neil Taylor. But Alan Hutton really did a good job, uh, you know, since he stepped in against Wolves, I think, uh, away at Molyneux. And uh, I can't believe, I can't believe that we're having this conversation that Alan Hutton was our starting left back and actually almost excelled in that role. It, Alan Hutton is one of these stories that's just impossible to figure out. Like he comes in, he plays well, and then he gets dropped. And then he plays awful and he gets dropped. And then he plays well. I, I can't make anything of it. He's fun to watch, though, with his two arms up, standing on the other side of the field, just like, hey, give me the ball. I'm glad you've spied that, mate, because that is a constant thread, isn't it? He always <laughs> standing in the air, arms in the please, just screaming for the ball. He just wants the chance to impress. And uh, I think it'll be a real shame if we don't go, because he'll be a casualty of uh, the restrictions. Yeah. He won't get a contract. And I think it'll be a real fairy tale ending from just to end his career with Villa with one last contract. Uh, but that, that's football, isn't it? It's business. It's business. But yeah. Q- QPR come to uh, Villa Park on Saturday. 
What's your what's your take here? QPR are a bit of a head case team under Ian Holloway. They they like Sheffield Wednesday, Nottingham Forest, and Reading. Those teams that should have really kicked on but haven't. Um, no, they've definitely had a disappointing year, and this is another opportunity that Villa should win. And I really hope Villa come out in the first half and remember that it's a two half football match, and you got to start well because the last two have not. They've been asleep for the first half. Yeah, uh, QPR are a team that don't really have that imposing threat that Villa do. You know, you look at players like Conor Hurahan, Albert Adoma, Scott Hogan, Snodgrass. Those players who score, you know, scored six or seven goals for us. QPR's top scorer is Matt Smith for eight goals. You know, that's one behind Conor Hurahan. That's that doesn't fill me with a lot of uh, dread to be to be blunt. If you're forwards, yeah. not if you haven't bagged ten goals by this point. And you're the starting striker, and you're the main threat. I worry about that, um, but they do have creativity in Luke Freeman, a for, former Arsenal grad, um, kind of similar to Jack Grealish, almost um, not at that level. But uh, we'll we'll be seeing a clash if uh, Jack Grealish starts for us uh, against QPR or comes on. So we'll be seeing that. So look out for that. I'm not too too convinced of them, but these are the games that you really can't slip off. You have to be professional. And QPR in 16th place, come to Villa Park. I don't want to let them even have an inkling of a draw. You need to blow them away. Simple as. And you need to do it early. Like, just settle, settle everyone, come out, come out fighting. The lineup will be interesting because not only are we waiting on health, but, I mean, we've looked different with multiple strikers on the on the pitch. Yeah, we, you know, Louis Graben especially has made a real name for himself. Uh, he's come in straight away, bagged two goals, and uh, looks, uh, looks a real, real, not, I wouldn't say prospect. He's not young, nearly long enough to be a prospect. But he's certainly someone who's really fighting for a future at Aston Villa with a view to a permanent transfer, of course, in the summer, if if we are in a position to do that. QPR, on the other hand, it's last six games, mate, they've won two, lost four. Last game out, they got smashed to pieces by Nottingham Forest. That's a team directly above them in the table. They're about 15th or 14th. Uh, QPR lost 5-2 against Nottingham Forest. At halftime, it was 1-0 to Forest. So it was very similar to that Villa match where it completely turned in the second half. I think we've. this is a team that Villa really could afford to blow away in the first 45. It could be 3-0. Ideally, that's what I want it to be in the first 45 minutes. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And they're a team that will give up goals because I'm looking through the last couple of matches and, I mean, there's two, two, and five. They, Villa's got to come out and they're going to have the opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's there on a plate. I, I mean, Ian Holloway is a wily manager and QPR aren't as bad as their, ta- you know, their table situation suggests. There is a good team in that squad. They just haven't kicked on this season, similar to those teams I've mentioned before. But they're there for the take and they're completely, you know, a home game should be a win if you're in the position that Villa are in with that momentum, especially that amazing team spirit that, that forged that Sheffield Wednesday performance at Hillsborough. I, I'm going to go for a prediction now, mate. I want yours after. I'm going to go for 3-0 to Villa. I like it. <laughs> I'm glad you do, mate. <laughs> I'm glad you do. What What do you think? I think it's, um, I'll say 2-0. This, hopefully they just come out and dominate. But I was deciding between 2 and 3-0, and I can't copy you. You so can't. If you want, I wouldn't hold it against you, Phil. Nope. Nope, I'll take 2-0. And hopefully one of us is right. And more importantly, hopefully three points. Yeah, well, I think Danny will uh, mail in mail in a thing. But, I, you know, if you win, 
I'll give it to you both. I think uh, like, that's only fair. You're, you're, you're uh, slotting into the uh, the Danny Riser role quite well as a, as a substitute. So thank you very much for that, mate. Uh, I think you're you're doing more a world of good if you get that that prediction right. Yeah, but I can't touch him in a beard game. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed he does that. He, he does. If you've got him on Snapchat, then you you will see him constantly preening his beard shirtless by the way shirtless <laughs> so uh yeah yeah um one more, small thing as well mate um i know you've got a background in tv and if the listeners haven't noticed i actually went to that fulham game with aston villa and they filmed a little piece that kind of, a bit to camera i did um with your background in tv mate and your background in production uh, would you, how would you rate me out of 10 uh, i think you're an eight and a half I thought it was great. The only reason you're not getting a 10 is because you probably had to be carrying that selfie stick the whole time. And that probably looks pretty funny. Yeah. Um, they did shoot me with like a 4K camera until I got into the ground and I had to carry the selfie stick. So Yeah, which yeah. I mean, naturally you don't want the 4K camera going in with you. No, no. I can't believe I got the selfie stick in, to be honest. It was like a GoPro on this bendy selfie stick. So it looked almost like a sex toy or something. So it was really, yeah, okay. it, it was, yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And if you haven't watched that, go watch that because it, it was fun. It turned out a lot better than I expected. I thought it would be, ah, oh, it's going to be cheesy. And, uh, but they, they played up to my strengths, I guess. So uh, thanks for watching that, Phil. And thanks for rating me eight and a half out of 10. Uh, I did rate the pie a bit too high, if I'm honest. They did tell me to rate the pie. I gave it five stars, uh, it, maybe a four. Yeah, but then you immediately said you were just starving and anything tastes good if you're starving. Yeah, and that's called, that's become a thing for me now. Um, I'm gonna rate. I'm gonna rate pies. <laughs> I think that's my, that's my calling in life. Uh, the Sheffield Wednesday pie was dire, awful, awful, <laughs> mate, awful. So if you come, if you do, you have the pleasure of coming over to uh, England and uh, visiting a stadium. I would I would avoid the pies at Sheffield Wednesday. They aren't they aren't top top tier like uh, Fulham. And now you just now you're just going to make more enemies of the Wednesday fans. <laughs> no, they, they probably like their pies. They're really upset anyway, so I don't know. I don't know if I'll do any more damage. But yeah, mate, I think we've come to the end today. So uh, thank you very much once again for filling in for Danny Riser, who is uh, going through a life-changing moment at the moment. He's uh, I don't know if I can announce it, but uh, if you head on to his Twitter page, I think he might be announcing it himself. But he's got a really big move to a really big media company in England coming up. So you'll see him a lot in sports. Uh, going forward and uh, he'll be back next week and if he's not i think phil will be here so uh someone will be here so uh, don't worry about that but yeah mate where can they find you where can any of our listeners follow we'll find your work uh probably twitter is best uh the tag is pb vogel that's v-o-g-e-l and yeah give me a follow it's almost all sports yeah it's perfect yeah cleveland sports villa sports are half disappointment i think i'm not sure how the Cavs. The Cavs and the Indians are doing right now. The Indians aren't playing yet, are they? They uh, they've got a few. No, they just now. had their first just had their first spring training game, so it begins again. Yeah, and the Browns are out of action for a while, but that, that they may as well be out of action <laughs> just for the whole. Yeah, season. they've been out of action for years. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, Villa are looking good, mate. So uh, thanks for joining. I really hope you're appreciating Villa right now because they're bringing a lot of joy to my life. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday with our review of QPR. Catch you later, guys.